0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari American, New York, New York. Never compromise. Drink responsibly. Anthony for Puts it in. It's like one. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category.
3: Podcast sponsored by DraftKings. It's Friday, January 18th, 2019. Uh, last week, DJ got to say, I'm back. Now I get to say, I'm back. Uh, Alex Ruthha here after a one week hiatus. Uh, next to me is Shannon McEwen, and on the line is Ken K Train Kreitz. All aboard. This podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, feel free to leave us a nice review. You can download. Uh, on the RotoWire website, listen to it there. Um, tons of places to find the podcast. Today, we are going to uh, kick things off with some news, then talk about underrated fantasy players, uh, like guys who might be higher in the fantasy ranks than you might think. Uh, and then we're going to get to our DFS picks and the typical tomfoolery. Uh, so the, the first news item that we want to get to here is that Clint Capella uh, finally had thumb surgery yesterday, Thursday. He's out four to six weeks, as expected. What do you guys think Houston does here? I mean, is, are they going to keep starting Gary Clark at center? Should they give Marquise Chris another chance? Is there a two-way guy? Do you trade for somebody? It's, I can't uh, get
2: over... Go ahead, Ken.
3: Go, go ahead, Chen.
2: <laughs> I can't get over
3: Marquise Chris's just
1: absolute zero value. Like, in the two games... With Capella out, they actually played him less. Is he? I mean, for he's he's at least six ten, right? He was a number eight pick only two years ago. Is he really this worthless?
2: He is. Um, he, is. <laughs> <laughs> he has the size and athleticism, which I, I agree, Ken. I'm confused by it, uh, but we, we have to just assume the coaching staff knows what they're doing. Um, yeah. I, I I totally expected Chris. You know, the news came out right away that they're going to start Neime, Um but Nene doesn't always play. Like he doesn't play the the second
1: game. Well, he's back 110. Back. He is. He's right? 110 years old. Right, yeah. and
2: he's extremely limited. I mean, he's not going to play 30 minutes, um, and he's not going to help on the fantasy side. So I just i I plugged in Chris in my DFS lineups that that first night uh, after Capella was the, the injury was announced, and I expected Chris to do something not not play 30 minutes, but maybe get 20 minutes. And given his athleticism, the fact that he can block shots and get steals, I thought maybe he could put together a productive line. He hasn't done anything. I don't really expect him to at this point. I think if there's a, a actual big man who is going to take that production, it's someone who's not currently on the team. Um, otherwise, I just expect them to continue to run Gary Clark's and play PJ Tucker more. And, and you know, let's we'll see what happens with House. Um, hopefully they. That was cr- isn't that
1: crazy with House? The guy has 12 starts. He hits the end of his two-way contract, Max. And did you think his agent just tried pulling a fast one or over, overestimated no, his Rockets, leverage?
2: the Rockets tried pulling a fast one. Um, what happened was the Rockets tried inking him to a non-guaranteed three-year deal. And his agent... Well, non-guaranteed. Was, yeah, non-guaranteed. And then they actually guaranteed it, but essentially with the way he's played through those 12 starts... He stands to make more next year as a free agent. So, you know, they they just wanted a guaranteed deal for this year and the Rockets would not do it. They wanted they wanted a three year deal. It's similar to the deal they signed Gary Clark to a, a month or two ago. Um, they wanted something similar with house. His agent determined that he could make more money on the market
3: after this year. So
2: I will have to see. My guess is they'll they'll eventually agree to like a one year contract, but you know, to be determined I guess.
3: Yeah, there are going to be buyers on the well, buyers on the buyout market. Um, You know, there. I mean, there are. I I think the main issue with the buyout market. P.J. Brown. P.J. Brown.
1: P.J. Brown. (laughs) That was a buyout move in two thousand eight. The Celtics made that was awesome. (laughs) That was way over my head. I thought. (laughs) (laughs) This year's. Santa remembers P.J. Brown, but he was. He he is exactly who they want, though. He's a tall guy. Great D.
2: So what? Uh Robin Rebounder? Lopez? I mean that's that's today's equivalent of PJ Brown, yeah. Robin Lopez. Yeah. They're not gonna I mean, they could get Robin Lopez. I don't think that's actually what they need. I mean all Robin yeah, so, Lopez is is a slightly, you know, younger version, maybe, or we can say healthier version than today. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, there's I mean part of the issue is that there's so many teams right now that think they're playoff contenders and are kind of gunning for that that six to eight spot. So the the amount of teams that have like veterans who might get bought out is are pretty low. Like Jr. Smith is still in that conversation, um, they, but even like Dallas, who's in thirteenth place in the West, thinks they're trying to you know they're, they're going for the eighth seed at least. So um, would it be so crazy? Would it be so crazy to call Sacramento,
1: who's got centers coming out of their ears, and try to work something up for like even just Labasiere or something?
3: I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure LeBissier is better than Marquise Chris. Yes. But, um, yeah. I mean, I think I think you could probably I don't want to say lowball them, but it seems like they really like Giles. They're committed to trying to make that work. They seem to like Bagley, or it seems that they might choose to keep Bagley over Willie colley Stein, who's uh, a restricted free agent next year, and the two can't really play together. So, um. That I think that is a way that could go, uh, as well. Um, but uh, we're going to stay in the West. We we saw something shocking yesterday, Ken. Oh, I was uh, recording my um, poor pronunciation of
1: down at the bottom. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lakers shock the Thunder in overtime in Oklahoma City, one thirty-eight to one twenty-eight. Kyle Kuzma, thirty-two points, eight boards, four assists. Gentlemen, can we
3: now agree that Kuzma is their best young piece? I I think I have to say, I mean, he's definitely got the highest floor. I think we had a roundtable article uh, a while back uh, that Nick Whalen sends around every week. And I thought that Kuzma is the most likely to make an all-star team just because pretty almost if you look on the leaderboards, everyone who averages about 20 points a game is virtually an all-star and he takes about 20 shots a game. That's what he goes right. for. Uh, yeah. And even if he's a guy where I'm comfortable, even if LeBron is there, that Kuzma can still be a 20 point per game guy right because right. um, he can actually ca- he can catch and shoot. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
2: I mean that, that's why you're right. His floor is the highest, Alex. but his ceiling, I, I still don't think his ceiling's high. His floor is because of his fit with LeBron because of the fact that that's what he does is score and that's really what LeBron needs uh, running alongside him. But the the ceiling for Ball and Ingram is higher. Will they ever reach it? You know, I'm skeptical oh. they will. I don't think Ingram will, for instance, if he's still on the Lakers and playing alongside LeBron. Um, but I still like Ball's fit next to LeBron. And I think Ball, I mean, Ball was great last night as well. Um, you know, he, it really showed what he could do when he has the ball in his hands. He's really made a couple amazing passes. Um there's, there's the obvious shooting struggles, but he's, he's still a kid. He's still young. Um, so we'll see. But, yes, with, I'm with you, Ken. Kuzma is the best fit of those young pieces on the, on the Lakers. Is he the best but, overall but, piece I, with the highest upside? I don't believe so. There's a, there's a knock on ball.
1: Oh, hello. My I bad. Hello. Sorry. We're good. I had the volume on. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a knock on ball that doesn't get brought up enough, which is he shies away from contact. Right. Uh Lowe brought this up in his last ESPN column. I was happy to see it. Um he shies away from contact for reasons we'll get to later. But I don't know. I'm still I'm still on the Kuzma train for yeah. uh young Laker pieces.
3: Ball shying away from con- contact contact is, is interesting. Like you said, we'll get to it. It's funny though because he came into the season like way buffer. Like he added I, I don't know yeah. how much muscle, but like he, he
1: he's seems big like... for a point guard. He ought to not shy away from contact. Right. But he does. Um, soft. <laughs> he's soft. Exactly. One thing right, before I get too angry though, Alex, oh, I was just going
3: to say, what was that?
1: Oh, go ahead. Finish your thoughts. I
3: was just going to say one thing interesting from last night's game. None of the Lakers starters were uh, plus. They were all negative. Uh, the bench saved the team. Zubac, plus 35. Zubac, huge, yeah. Uh, he dropped 26 Zubac. and 12 with six offensive rebounds. Um, Josh Hart was a plus 23. Uh, with he, I mean, he had a great game. He had 42 fantasy points. Um, even Lance Stevenson in 13 minutes and Svi Mikhailuk in, in 19 minutes. Mikhailuk was plus 14. Lance Stevenson was plus 21. Um, so a lot of interesting numbers there. Um but uh I think I think as you we were getting to Ken, there's been some interesting news in Dallas with Dennis Smith Jr. not traveling with the Mavericks on a two-game road trip, uh kind of amidst trade rumors. Uh they were it had been reported they were trying to trade him. And then uh just very recently, I think yesterday or the day before, uh Tim McMahon of ESPN came out and said that the Mavericks are trying to I guess mend the relationship between uh, or with them and Dennis Smith Jr., which to me immediately read as we couldn't get a good offer for him. So I guess he's yeah, I guess guess he's just here now. Um, So do you do you guys think there's a particularly good landing spot for Smith, or maybe I mean is Dallas a good fit? Is that should should that just be over?
2: I like the teams that have been rumored. I mean, Orlando has always needed a point guard for... for two years 100. going. Yeah, two 100. years going. <laughs> I mean, you, could, you could argue that even you know pre-Painton, they needed a point guard. Um, they need a point guard bad. They should absolutely trade for one. Whether it's Dennis Smith or, or the Ringer had an article yesterday proposing uh, C.J. McCollum for, for Aaron Gordon. Um, that's what Orlando needs to do, something along those lines. I think Dennis Smith would be a great fit there. Um, I think the Phoenix is a decent fit. I don't think I think a lot of the issues Dennis Smith has with with Luca he would also have in Phoenix alongside Booker.
1: Booker, um, yeah.
2: Now, so yeah. so with that in mind, I mean I like New York better than I like uh, Phoenix. Now, do you think Dennis Smith is better in Moutier? Mileage may vary on that based on the way Moutier's played this year. I still would rather have uh, Dennis Smith. Uh, and what about Cleveland? Like, if you're not sold on Sexton, would Dennis Smith be a better fit there?
1: Ooh, it's
2: can they give a, up this early on Sexton? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a straight up swap of those.
1: Straight two trade, swap. yeah,
2: yeah. Um, just throwing it out there. I don't know. Uh, other than that, I mean, if Memphis decides to move on from Mike Conley, if they can get someone to take his contract and they do a full rebuild, they would be. That's a that big way. if. Yeah, big. If. Well, I, mean, I don't think it is because if they trade Gasol. Who has a player option for next year? Then why would you not also trade Conley? Because you're not going to do no, no. anything.
1: I think Memphis. Don't get me wrong. Memphis would love to trade Conley. Oh, I just don't think at sixty three. What is it? Sixty two million. It's only maybe it's 67 it's two, sixty seven over two the next. Year. Yeah,
2: sixty seven over the next two seasons. But there will absolutely be a taker for that because it's only two seasons. So if you have a team that desperate, desperately needs a point guard, I think. I mean, like. I don't know if the Pistons would be able to make it work from a cap standpoint, but they would absolutely do it. Uh, there are numerous teams that I think would do that. Um,
1: I think there's uh, teams that would like to. I think it's harder than, than you think to fit that luxury tax-wise.
2: Well, obviously, yeah. But, I mean, I, San Antonio, another team that needs point guard, um, where I could see them a play for Conley. Or Smith. Um, Again, do they have the pieces? I don't know. Are they really content just waiting for Murray to come back? Possibly.
3: The the Pistons are a team that I also thought of as well. I'm just worried about the assets that would be going back um, and just kind of the, I guess, lack thereof. One team that I was just looking through the standings that I think would be interesting might be Minnesota. If you could get maybe Jeff Teague, Almost like a Jeff Teague for Dennis Smith Jr. swap.
2: Absolutely.
3: Um, Just straight up. I think that would be interesting for Dallas because that improves their playoff chances for this year. And Teague's under contract for next year when he's 31 and you can maybe cut bait after that. Try to figure out something else. And then for Minnesota, uh, you kind of get a point guard who's on the same timeline as your core of Covington, um, Wiggins, Towns, um, that kind of a crew. Yeah, that makes sense. I sort of, ass- yeah, I like that. I sort of assume
1: Dallas wants more of an outside shooter than Teague, but I like that. I like that.
3: Yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, an interesting situation there. Um, but uh, I guess that's enough Western Conference talk for the time being. Uh, we're going to move <laughs> to the East. Well, hey, the Sixers really spanked the Pacers last night
1: in Indianapolis, one hundred and twenty to ninety six. has now won seven of nine. They held the Pacers to 40% shooting. Um, There are three and a half games back of Toronto now. Should we be giving Philly more credit as an e-power team? I mean, they certainly get plenty of publicity because of their personalities. But uh, are they putting things together in Philly?
3: The the win over the Pacers was nice because the Pacers are a good defensive team, uh, although I think they're kind of I think they're w think their record is better than they are. Like I think they're a better regular season team. Yes. My yeah. main concern about drawing any like concrete conclusions about the Sixers right now is that they've kinda had some easy games lately. Um I think the past seven or eight games it's been the Suns, the Mavericks, the Wizards twice, the Hawks, the Knicks, the Timberwolves, and now the Pacers. So it's great that they've won all these games, but it still hasn't been against competition that they're going to see in the playoffs, or a lot of teams that may not even make the playoffs. I
1: think Philly's and, fine. And I, those I, two I, losses are
3: Hawks and Wizards. Those
1: those two losses. That's weird, too. Yeah, the last night's Hawks and Wizards. Yeah. Mm. yeah Excellent I, point.
2: I think Philly's fine. I'm not worried about them. I still consider them one of the top four teams in the East. I think Indiana is in is a good team. Um, but they're also feasting on their own division. I mean, they they play in a division that has Detroit, <laughs> Cleveland, and Chicago. Right. Uh, they're seven and two against their own division. Um, Milwaukee's also in that division, but that's the only tough team that, and probably the only team they have lost to in that division. Um, I, they're good, you know, five point three point differential, solid defensive team, as Alex said. Uh, but I don't expect them to beat a team like Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, or Boston in the playoffs.
1: Well, as Alex said, uh, that depth of theirs doesn't necessarily translate well to the playoffs.
2: You know, it does um, translate well to to Philly's success in the playoffs. Having the best center in the NBA on your team, <laughs> the dude is going to go for thirty and twenty in the playoffs this year. It's going to be sick.
3: Yeah, you think he's better than Jokic and Anthony Davis?
2: For 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 this purpose for of uh, this argument, Anthony Davis is a power forward. Okay, um, which is technically where he's been starting for most of the season. With Randall, Randall's been starting as center. Hey, I, hey, I, I don't I'm, uh, yeah. Right. We know we know how that goes. But yeah, is he? Yes, I think he's <laughs> the best center. I think to this season, he is the best center in the NBA. Absolutely, better than Jokic. I love Jokic, but mm. yeah, NBA's
1: we'll, best. Well, overall. Shannon. Shannon, while you have the floor, right? you yes. wanted to give props to one of your favorite youngsters.
2: He, 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 I, I just like him more than most. He's not necessarily one of my favorites. I just feel like we always knock on this guy, and we need to give him some props because he's actually playing better. Trey Young with Atlanta. The, the, the Atlanta Hawks, everyone, don't sleep on him. They're 8-7 and seven over the past 15. They've been playing really well, really competitive probably to their own deterrent because they should just be tanking and getting a better draft <laughs> spot. Um, especially because the Dallas draft pick that they have is not looking as good as they, they originally expected. Uh, but Trey Young, over the past 15 games, he's averaged 17 points, 7 seven assists, 4 rebounds, 1.3 steals, 1.9 trays, shooting a respectable 44% from, from the floor and 42% from three. Trey Young is not washed. He's not garbage. He deserves to be in the NBA. Right. All of you haters out there, I'm not saying he's as good as Luca. No one's gonna say that, okay? But Trey Young is always a legit, gonna have that bird. Yeah, Trey Young is gonna be a legit NBA player. He already is, and he should only get better. He's already a great playmaker. I stand by my stance from a couple months ago where I think he could one day lead the NBA and assist. like he is that good of a playmaker. And it, as his shooting rounds in form, as he gains strength, Alex and I were discussing. Alex thinks that he, he looks tired in the fourth quarter a lot, and a lot of his shooting reflects that. This guy's going to get better. He's absolutely going to get better. And he's already showing a lot of a lot of flashes.
3: Yeah, I mean, like like Shannon alluded to, I was looking at some of his shooting splits um, because, like like we like we've said, as much as I've been down on Trey Young, I'm still interested in him as a as a prospect. He's shooting 20, essentially 23% in second quarters and fourth quarters, which makes me think he's just kind of tired. He's getting tired too easily. He's maybe not used to the NBA schedule. College is a very different uh, situation as far as how many games you play in the span of a month or the course of a season. So if really at the end of the day, if Trey Young's main issue is that he's getting winded, then I think the trajectory for his career looks great. That's what I like to hear. How much of Young's,
1: I wonder how much of Young's improvement is because of the return of John Collins. I mean, they had no inside game before Collins
2: came back. Absolutely, That's definitely part of it. And Dedman's been playing really well, but yeah, Collins is
1: a beast. Dedman was out for a while too. Yeah,
2: Benbury's been playing really well. Um, But if you look at, if you look at uh, Trey Young's stats over the past 15 games, and I get it, small sample size, 15 games, it's very similar And you could argue a little bit better in some areas than what Steph Curry did his rookie season. You know, we were talking... Steph Curry was 17-4-6, you know, with with two threes and 1.9 steals, uh, 46% from the floor, 44% from downtown. So that's not that much different than what Trey Young's done over the past two weeks, past 15 games, sorry.
3: That's true. You
1: mentioned you mentioned Dedman. He could be another candidate that goes to Houston cheap, right? Expiring deal. Atlanta's gathering assets. He's old.
3: Oh, absolutely. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, final thing on Trey Young, I guess. Comparing him to Steph Curry, Trey Young is getting about over that over this fifteen game span, and he's done it essentially all year, um, getting to the free throw line. Uh, Trey Young takes four free throw four point three free throw attempts per game. Steph Curry didn't reach that mark until his age twenty five season, uh, which was his fifth year in the league. So I think that's really encouraging uh, for Trey Young that he, even though he's, I mean, he's a guy he's smaller than Lonzo Ball significantly. I mean, Lonzo Ball's way bigger than Trey right. Young is, and Trey Young's getting to the line, taking contact, um, you know, just making guys follow him. So that's a that's a really interesting wrinkle uh, moving forward. Um, but, well,
1: I'd, uh, I'd ten times rather have Trey Young than uh, Lonzo Ball, <laughs> which I think people would argue with. But give, that's me, give a good me debate.
3: Actually, I think that would. Yeah. Know, I don't think it's. I don't even think it's close. And I'm still higher on Ball than most. Like I, I absolutely rather have Trey Young. Right. That's interesting. I would think about that more. But I think I think just in general, a lot of people would argue back back and forth about yes. that. Yeah. Um, but Trae as Trey Young s- shooting eighty percent from the line. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure his true shooting percentage will be pretty high throughout his career if he can keep bombing threes like this and and uh, keep things consistent uh, late in games and late in quarters or halves, I should say. Um, but uh, basketball season uh, is is it halfway more than halfway at this point? Oh, yeah, we're yeah. past. Yeah, <clears throat> the trade deadline is is rapidly approaching. Uh, it's in less than a month, uh, and so uh, we partner up with DraftKings, and so if you are Maybe if your if you're, you know, year-long fantasy league isn't going so well, maybe it's going great. You want to build on that. Um, we, we have a great deal with DraftKings. You can get Rotowire six-month memberships for free. You go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings. You sign up for a new account, you make a $10 deposit or more, and you'll get six-month access to all tools and sports on rotowire.com. So that includes DFS oh. lineup optimizers. It includes weekly rankings, premium articles, full-season draft software, much more all for ten dollars, uh and then you can take that ten dollars, enter it into contests, potentially win more money uh so which is great uh you can go to rotowire.com. that's pronounced, yeah Alex, through, that's pronounced mo mo money mo money, mo money. everyone loves yeah. it um and it's important to mention that's when when you get the six month membership, it's not just for basketball, so we got baseball coming up, the baseball magazine's coming up in February, yeah, tons of sports. Uh, Tons of opportunities uh, to win money. Golf, NASCAR, cricket, CFL, NHL. WNBA runs in the summer. If you love basketball, we got college basketball, college football. Um, So you go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Just follow the instructions there uh, to get everything I just mentioned. Disclaimer, eligibility
1: restrictions do apply. New DraftKings users only. See draftkings.com
3: for details. So, today we're going to talk about some underrated fantasy players. Uh, just some names that are either maybe over, have overplayed their ADP, just aren't the sexiest names, but are way higher in the standings than you might think. Uh, the first guy I'm going to bring up, I actually have two injured players on my list, but Robert Covington, right now, he's got an ankle injury, no timetable for a return. So, that's that's unfortunate. But it's important to note he's been the 27th ranked player on the year. I mean, he's been a second, third round player. You can you can get him a lot later than that in some of your drafts, especially if you're if you're, if you're a second if you're
1: a second half team right now in season long. Covington is a great high upside trade to make for owners worried about that injury, right? Because he's going to get a gazillion minutes with Minnesota. Yes, he's our only defensive
3: player. Grade three, grade steals. So I'm interrupting you, Alex. Go ahead. No, I mean you're you're exactly right. He's a guy who can play 35 plus minutes. Um, he's one of the few elite three and D players that actually translates into top tier fantasy value. Um, he hits 2.4 threes and combines for 3.4 steals and blocks, which is crazy. Um, defensive Player of the Year candidate, no doubt. The stats back it up. Um, and and like Ken said, uh, you know y- you might be worried that he doesn't have a timetable for his ankle injury if you're looking to trade for him, but at the same time, if you're looking to trade for him, you probably are trying to salvage your season. Um, So I I just want to bring up his name because he's been been way outperforming his ADP. Um, And so, yeah, and, and it might be better to trade for him when we get an actual timetable, but at the same time,
2: I think now is a good time. It's been a couple of weeks. I know. I know this week. Uh, the most recent update is that he doesn't have a timeline yet. Um, but I think it's safe. I mean, it's we're already a couple weeks out. He's been now. He's missed about seven or eight games. I can't imagine if it were worse than you know a, a three or four week injury, they would have released some kind of details about it. So I have to imagine we'll it's we'll- back by like February first.
1: The only way to get him cheap relatively cheap is to get him before they announce when he's coming back. Sure, yes. You know you know, if you wait for it says, Oh, he's practicing full, it could be back any you know, any time over the next three games, then up oh, the price skyrockets. Yeah. yeah again, that's why he's the second half if you're a second uh tier no, if you're I'm sorry, bottom half team, now's the time to
3: gamble. Yes. Yeah, and if you can maybe trade like a a healthy player who's around fifty uh, 50th ranked player for him. Uh, if someone, if someone needs healthy bodies, that might be a way to do it. Um, but we're going to stay in the Western conference for one of your players, Ken. Ah, I'm going to go with someone who's underrated
1: because he's showing big improvement late in his career, or relatively late Tobias Harris. Everyone knows Tobias Harris, but no one knows that he's ranked 22nd in nine category Yahoo leagues. That's two leagues. Uh, 21 points, eight boards, and two assists uh, are his game averages with 50% shooting. And most impressive, it's 50% shooting uh, with 15-plus attempts a game and some threes. He's really the Clippers star. And you're wondering, gee, why is he uh, improving? Well, he bet on himself this summer, uh, turning down an extension offer by the Clippers. And at – I forget how old is Mr. Harris?
2: only at 25. 26 26 26 Turn 26, 26. Yeah, yeah sorry 26
1: Yep. improvements across the board points rebounds field goal percentage free throw percentage um he's become the guy for the clippers and everyone just kind of rem- remembers him as that tweener uh in orlando and detroit that they just were never quite sure what position he should play and now he and the rooster are lighting it up for the clippers
2: yeah it's pretty amazing uh the main i mean he sh- he's shown flashes of this past couple seasons um, but it's just more consistency. You know, he's going out and putting up 20 points on a regular basis now instead of doing it once every three games. Um, it, it's remarkable that he he now is this at this level. But he's also just now basically in his prime. Mm-hmm. So right. maybe we should started be- in
1: Milwaukee when he was 18. Yes, and probably a little overwhelmed, frankly. Milwaukee never thought much of him. Quickly dumped him to Orlando. But his you know his points per game have gone up. Each of the last four years that doesn't
3: happen that often. Right. And he was a guy like we mentioned, he bet on himself after one year at Tennessee, uh, just turned 19, basically when he got drafted. What I think the main thing for device Harris moving forward. And I guess this is outside of fantasy, but he's only been in the playoffs once. Uh, he's played four mm-hmm. playoff games. It was with Detroit in 2015, 16, and he played well. He shot 46% from the field and 33% from three, scored 15 points a game, grabbed almost 10 rebounds. Um, so this is a guy who, I mean, I want the Clippers to make the playoffs because I, I think they can make things interesting. I, Yeah, I, I'm having my doubts. But he's a guy who in the future I hope can get on a team uh, where he can, he can do some damage. Like he's a guy, you talk about guys that could play next to LeBron, Tobias Harris. I mean, Tobias Harris could play a pr- pretty much on any team. He's he- just... I mean, Tobias
2: Harris basically is Kuzma, right? I mean, they're pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I would be... The the problem with... The one problem. This year, he's absolutely underrated. Next year, he could be overrated because if he doesn't go somewhere where he's getting the same kind of usage that he sees with the mm. Clippers this year, you know, if he's getting, yeah. if he's getting 15, 16 shots, we can see what he does. I mean, he did it last year after he got traded to the Clippers as well in 32 games, um, but... More than likely, he's going to be signed to a team where he's not the clear-cut number one option. He's the second or third, and if that's the case, then he might revert a little bit back to what we saw in Detroit.
3: Right, and moving forward, he's a guy like you mentioned. Uh, he's also had like very fluctuating rebounding numbers. Um, occasionally, like this year, he's got eight per game, but in 2014, when he was seeing 34 minutes, he got six, and then it was five once, and then he was Orlando, it was seven. So kind you of, you know, it's go ahead. It's it's not so crazy though that he gets a big contract
1: from the Clippers. They don't they don't they're not locked into any huge contracts. They would have they have the room to keep. Them.
2: Yeah, if they swing and miss on Durant and Kawhi and all the big name targets mm-hmm. that they have, then that certainly could be a possibility and, and a likelihood actually. Um, so that that could be the case. And and for this year, you know, that's that's where we should be focused. This right. year, like he's a legit stud. Anyone who if you, if you have him, congrats. If you can somehow get him for, for less than what he's worth, and, and again, he's a top 25 guy right now, so if you can get him for, for less than that and only pay top 40 for him, you absolutely do it. Shannon,
1: uh, take us to Portland,
2: sir. Yep. Yusuf Nurkic is balling out. A Bosnian beast. Balling out. I feel like no one talks about it. You know, we've been giving a lot of love to, to uh, his ex teammate, Jokic, uh, understandably. Uh, you know, Vucevic gets a lot of a lot of love, but Nurkic doesn't get that much. You know, based on eight, eight category leagues, season average, he ranks 33rd. His preseason ranking was 101. His per-36 stats. He's doing all of this, mind you, while playing somewhat limited run. He plays 27 minutes per game. You go look at everyone else ranked in the top 40, and I think they're yep. all above 31 minutes, every single one, except for Nurkic, who's at 27 minutes.
1: And only 24. Only 24. And keeper leagues, he still has more upside.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's he really does. He's sh- he's seen improvements in slight improvement in field goal percentage. Free throw percentage is one of the big ones. That is really, big. Yeah. big. Big. He's jumped up from 63% last year to 75% this year. So that's been a big boon. To his overall value, but per thirty six, he's averaging 20, 14, 1.9 blocks, one point five steals, with those great percentages. Um, that's just that's just awesome. Obviously, you know that, that for just regular averages, it drops down to fifteen and ten. But he's still it's it's over one block, over one steal, and, and again those percentages. I mean, I can't I can't see a scenario where he plays less minutes, right? I mean, you have Zach right. Collins. Gives Zach Collins there, who's been pushing him for minutes, which makes sense. Zach Collins, is a young piece that, that Portland's trying to build up. But as they make a push, if they're really looking to to make a playoff spot or move up the standings, I would have to think Nurkic actually gets more minutes. Um, but yeah, he's been an absolute stud and fringe like all star level play this year, despite the limited run. They've
1: got they've got three more years on Nurkic's contract. The, it's crazy though, you know, to
3: hand. Collins minutes from Nurkic, they're locked in to the Bosnian beast for a while. Yeah, the the thing with Nurkic is they're very different players, but similar to what we talked about with Trey Young. I think Nurkic isn't in, uh, in amazing shape. He gets in foul trouble a lot, which is why he often only plays you know mid twenties, even low twenties sometimes minutes. If you look at his if it, at his games when he has at least two days of rest, he plays thirty one minutes a game in those games on uh, average is 19 and 11 with three assists. So for him, it's kind of, it for him it might be a conditioning thing. But like like Shannon alluded to, when the Trailblazers are trying to lock down a playoff spot, uh, he may he may have to just play the 30 minutes until he just fouls out. Like they may just have to to throw him out there because every team's going to be. It's I mean once once the trade deadline has passed, it's basically it's basically the playoffs in the Western Conference. Like you, there's. Yeah. You have to you have to play your best guys the most. There's no time to to experiment anymore. Um, uh, the, a guy I want to talk to uh, another or talk to. Uh, I just want to have a conversation with him. Yeah, hang um, out, yeah. Just have a get, let's get Larry. Nance. Watch a the Browns podcast. game. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Watch a Browns game. Huh? yeah. Um, Larry Nance uh, in Cleveland. Another guy who's injured. He's got a sprained MCL, but he should be back in late January. It's frustrating that Tristan Thompson is around. Um, because I really enjoyed watching Larry Nance play, and he was a great fantasy asset. Um, and when Kevin Love comes back, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. That's my only worry for this. But I just want to shout out how what Larry Nance has been doing over the past 30 days. He's been the 38th ranked fantasy player. Uh, he's got 10.4 points per game on over 50% shooting, 8.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 2.6 combined steals and blocks. Stocks. Yeah, and this this is a guy who the Lakers basically just um handed over um to the Cavaliers. Not that he would necessarily, you know, be helping the, the Lakers a tongue. He's not a true center, they kind of need the size, but um he's a really interesting player moving forward. Um and I think may I mean maybe he's a guy if you have him, maybe you look to trade him because of Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson potentially coming back. Um, but I, I think he's a he's a guy who has been putting together a better season than I even thought when I when I looked at the rankings.
2: Yeah, my one my one concern about Nance for the rest of this season, at least, is the fact that Love is probably going to come back. You know, given his injury, I wouldn't say Love's going to be traded. Uh, and then how also how Nance has performed when Thompson is healthy. So Nance was great when Thompson and Love were both out. I mean, like you said, Nance was stellar. He was like a top thirty, top forty fantasy player. But even those few games after Thompson got back, before Nance got hurt, I mean, Nance's production production dropped significantly. He was he was only ranked like two fifty over those three or four games. So I worry about it. The fact he should see more time, he should see more run, even when Thompson's healthy. But this team is foolish. Um, I like him. He, he's definitely <laughs> underrated. Um, definitely a solid piece. I mean, even last year. You know, there are a lot of Lakers fans who are calling for Nance to get run over Kuzma, uh, and some of the other players on that team. Like everyone loved Nance. A lot of people who watch him play thinks, think that he's going to be good. I,
1: I don't. I, I think also I think he's more than just a throw-in. I think Cleveland wanted him. Larry Nance is the rare player that wants to be
3: in Northeast Ohio. Right. Uh, so I suspect uh, they insisted on. Him. Right. And he's a guy for talking about like dynasty leagues. Uh, might be a good guy to hang on to if you assume Tristan Thompson's out the door sooner than later uh, via trade. Same with Kevin Love. Um, But, Ken, you want to talk about a Toronto Raptor? Uh, Pascal Siakam,
1: ranked number 38th in Yahoo. Cooling off a little bit, but, you know, Valanciunas is going to still be out for a while. The guy's got 1.7 stocks a game, 15.7 boards, three assists with 57% field goal shooting. Uh, you know, made a starter this year with new coach Nurse, starting him over uh, O.G. Ananobi. And, uh, you know, plays north of the border. Doesn't always get uh, a claim he should. Everyone's talking about Leonard and Lowry, but I think Siakam's a nice bit of their success as well
3: this year. I have to agree. He's a strong candidate for most improved player.
2: Absolutely.
3: Um, yeah. Definitely definitely a great glue guy, a guy they want moving forward. He's like the <laughs> – he he is the guy – who I think the most represents the potential. Uh, they're they're kind of at this pivot point where if Kawhi leaves, they're pivoting to the young guys, and I think he's a huge part of that uh, moving forward.
2: Yeah, he he's blowing me away. I mean, watching Toronto last year, I was I was admittedly confused why he got as much run as he did. Um, I felt like he was just a dude that was out there on the court. He was like basically Turd Ferguson is. Which- <laughs> with OKC, um, <laughs> but he's, he's been unbelievable. He's improved his skill set, his handles, everything, his shot year to year, um, and he's totally legit, well, and he's got a crazy you know, motor. Yeah, I love season Yeah, season. I love a big season. reason for the upside
1: is he was late to basketball. All his older brothers played hoops, but he didn't. He wasn't that interested in, like, late in high school to play basketball. So it, he's just late to the game and blossoming. And yeah. they clearly, you know, the, the Raptors are smart in that they know a lot of high-priced Americans don't want to play uh, and pay Canadian taxes, but international players appreciate living in Toronto more. He's the perfect guy for that
2: team. Absolutely. And if you, I mean, if you watch him, if you watch highlights from him in college or his first two years in the NBA, like he was a different player. He his skills. He has improved his skills significantly. Um, you know, and that should because he's already showed it. There, there's no reason to think he won't continue to improve. So I love him for the rest of this season. Uh, next season, I actually think we're going to be – there's a good chance Kawhi leaves Toronto. And next season, we're going to have a podcast saying, here are overrated players heading to the draft, and he's going to be one of them because everyone's <laughs> going to love him. And he's going to be really high.
1: I wonder, when, when if Leonard leaves, can they move Lowry – you know, because Fred Van Leeds nice, but he's not going to be the starter full time.
3: Can you move Lowry for a younger point guard? That's, yeah, that's that's an interesting call.
2: I don't know if they would. I mean, uh, Wright is a free agent after the, this year. It might be a restricted free agent. Like, it, it might be a scenario where they're already losing one or two of their young guys and they just decide to go with Lowry. You have Lowry under contract, you have Ibaka, you've got Siakam. Um, and then you try to find you try to find a, another discounted veteran or somebody that you can bring in, um, you know. Maybe that's a team that goes after like Tobias Harris. I've no idea what their free agent uh, flex cap, cap flexibility will be like, but I can see him bringing in another another discounted uh, veteran via via trade or, or via signing them.
3: Right, and right now they're you know they have this young core, but it's not it's not going to be super young anymore like next year like next year Jonas Valanciunas is going to be in his age 27 season Van Vliet's going to be in 25 DeLon Wright in 26 really their young guys are, are Siakam uh, who's going to be 25 and OG Ananobi who's going to be 22 but Ananobi's kind of struggling to get minutes these days yeah his values on the are going in the wrong direction right so the very interesting situation in Toronto uh for sure but before we before we get to these you know, some draft Kings picks. Uh, I, I want to let Shannon have the floor on a few guys.
2: Yeah. A couple other guys that I, I consider vastly underrated this year. And, and I, I really was, uh, love this topic because it meant I could bring up my, my secret <laughs> love. <D'Angelo Russell. laughs> I see you. I see what you're doing. The
1: mood music, Alex. <laughs> Ciao. Bow, bow. I
2: see what you're <laughs> doing. Mr. Russell. Ranked 36th in eight category leads over the past month. That bumps up to 28 over the past two weeks. Top 50 for this season. Here's a guy who had a preseason ranking of 90. No one ever talks about him. The Nets are awesome this year. And everyone talks about Dinwiddie. Go look at Dinwiddie's stats. Dinwiddie's had some good games. He is a good player. But he's not the reason why the Nets are badass. It's D'Angelo Russell, my main man. He's so good. People are foolish. He's averaging basically twenty and seven over the past month. He's unstoppable. I love his him.
1: hair is, is terrible. His hair is terrible though.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, did he and
1: Holiday go to like Jimmy Butler's barber and just get that taken care of, <laughs> please?
2: Uh, a couple other guys. We we've talked about these guys before on the podcast. I won't I won't uh, drag this on. Malcolm Brogdon in Milwaukee. Has been a top 70 player this year. He is like the most efficient dude in the NBA. Uh, 52% from the floor, 96% from the free throw line. Uh, 15 points, four rebounds, four and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. Not doing much on defense, but he's knocking down 1.63s. threes. Just consistency, like decent production all around. If you drafted him in the 10th or 11th or 12th round, like you got a steal. I, no one expected him to really show improvements. Everyone just thought he would be, a, you know, a solid rotational piece after his rookie year and, and he has improved. And it it surprised me.
3: Yeah, he's he's going for 50-40-90 this year uh after a lot of people said he didn't deserve to win rookie of the year. So that's kind of a uh uh I think I don't know if that's a revenge thing for him. Uh but I think he's 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 proving that he's a legitimate MBA talent and a legitimate like starter. Like I think a lot of people thought his upside might be you know high level six man and maybe that's more realistic for his role. But um, as as Nick Whalen mentioned, um, I think in the roundtable he's been the Bucks' second best player on a lot of nights uh, when Middleton's gone through some struggles. Bledsoe is fine, but he has issues with turnovers some turnovers sometimes and, and isn't a great three point shooter necessarily. Uh so yeah, he's a he's a guy to uh to to keep an eye on moving forward.
2: Yeah, and the last guy, um, TJ Warren, we talked about him a couple weeks ago. He has become a well-rounded fancy player, surprisingly, uh averaging one point two steals, which matches a career high, and one point nine threes. This guy has never hit three pointers, and he finally expanded his range. And now is a fully formed fantasy player. It really really weird. I mean, yeah. preseason ranked like 160. He's been a top 60 fantasy player this year. Um, so odd just because no one, I don't think anyone expected him to do anything close to this. Um, the three-point thing is certainly a welcome change and the reason why he's been able to capitalize. But when we got a team like Phoenix, when they've got Bridges, they've got Josh Jackson, Jackson, all these other players on the wing, I think everyone expected... Warren to take a step back, mm-hmm. and instead he's having his best season, best season of his career, and he's pretty comparable production-wise, less rebounds, but very comparable to like Tobias Harris. He's basically the 2017 mm-hmm. version of Tobias or 2016 version of Tobias Harris.
1: Do you get the feeling he's? Do you get the feeling he's progressing despite what Phoenix is doing? Like they truly tried to ruin him in a lot of careers. They succeeded with their other picks, but he's like no. I will not take your terrible coaching. I will actually become productive.
3: Mm, I, <laughs>
2: no, I, think that, I. I think he actually has always been just not that great of a player. He's a volume guy um, who is just be- he's he's just better now. He has a better skill set that fits today's NBA, which 12 months ago we would have never pictured him being this well-rounded.
3: Yeah, he's well. He's not a passer. I think that's that's part of it too. You know, he he. When he when he has the ball, he's looking to score. But I mean, he he's also a guy. I think part of the reason his rank was so low is because he's never played more than sixty six games in his four prior seasons. Uh, just a guy who's always been hurt, and maybe that's stunted his development to some extent, like developing the three ball, uh, and that and that's a possibility. Um, but they they actually have him on a, a really good deal um, in September of twenty seventeen. They signed him to a four year forty seven million contract, so he's basically making like eleven twelve million dollars a year, at this kind of production, that's that's great value, uh, with the cap expected to go up as well. Um, but we're going to swing into some DraftKings talk here. Um, and I, the first guy I just wanted to bring up, uh, Ante Zizic, on the Cleveland Cavaliers, because Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance are out. Uh, Zizic has played well often uh, he, during the Cavs' last game, put up 33 fantasy points. Trade. Yes, part of the Kyrie Irving trade, um, and uh, which I don't think you know Boston's necessarily too upset about giving up Zizic, considering Aaron Baines and, and Daniel Tyser are, are great backups to Al Horford. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Zizic—he's gone for 33 fantasy points uh, twice within the past, I think, three games. Uh, when he, you know, when he sees over 20 minutes, uh, he averages 23 fantasy points. Although that's uh, one of those games was a complete dud, six point four fantasy points, but you can get him for thirty seven hundred on DraftKings, and I know the the Cavaliers are only expected to put up ninety nine points against the Jazz, but at the same time, uh, Zizic is so dirt cheap that I think he's he's definitely worth a flyer.
2: Yeah, he was my top guy. As soon as I saw Thompson was ruled out, um, it was actually in the process of building my DFS lineups last night. And I, I did not have him in the lineup, and then I saw Thompson was ruled out, and I immediately had to go back and change things.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Ken, uh, you got some chalk plays for us, but ones that we should still be interested in.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, also at center, I like Vucevic going against uh, Brooklyn and their worst center defense in the league, So, but he is pricey at 9,400. And then Donovan Mitchell, uh, my other chalk play at 8,900, 49 fantasy points the last four games. He's at home versus Cleveland. Mitchell always has three-plus more fantasy points at home versus the road. So those are my two sort of chalk key plays, if you
2: will. Yeah, Mitchell's been fantastic, um, which congrats to the Rotowire guys on our buy-low article a few weeks ago. I think about half of us mm. all <laughs> said Mitchell was a great buy-low option, um, and he's absolutely exploded since then. Um, let me tell you a couple of guys I like for DraftKings tonight. So I, I the re- I'm actually steering clear of Mitchell, and it's because he's been so good, like his his salary has just gone way too high. So here are here are guys who are all lower than Mitchell uh, from a salary perspective: Damian Lillard, DeMar DeRozan, Blake Griffin. Like I will take any of those three three guys over Mitchell tonight. Um, Blake Griffin has routinely put up 50 point games this year. He has a 56 point outing against Miami earlier this season, who he faces tonight. Um, so I like Blake. Blake's also shown the capacity to go off for 70 points, which we haven't seen that from a guy like Mitchell. Same goes for Willard um, and DeRozan. These are guys who routinely hit 40 points. Willard has four straight games of 40 points or more. He had he had a he's only a few weeks off of having a big 60 point outing. Um, you know he's cheaper than Mitchell right now, so I, I'd rather go that way. Um, on the cheap side, Royce O'Neal. Um, mm. He's, he's going to continue to get a lot of run. He's coming off, uh, he's got 40, 37, 27, 36 minutes um, over the past four. Uh, the Jazz are shorthanded. There's some risk here. As we saw in, in the game against Detroit earlier this week, I mean, Royce played, Royce O'Neal played 27 minutes, but only had nine fancy points. One of the reasons why I like him a little bit more tonight is because that kind of depressed his salary. He's only at 4,300. Um, which is just more more manageable than like a five thousand dollars salary for that guy, um, and then yeah, we're going. I'm going to go through this whole list. Uh, Alec Burks. I was going to bring him up. Hell
3: yeah! This yeah. is a revenge game. Yeah. Slow pace. Ooh, revenge! But slow pace, Jazz. Where is me Twenty eight. I mean, I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I mean, no, I was just going to say twenty eight fantasy points in away games over the past. I think eleven. Ish games since December nineteenth, uh, twenty eight fantasy points in away games. Um, like we mentioned, going up against his former team, the the Cavaliers, they just need scoring. Burks is looking like their most consistent player. Yeah, uh, kind of disturbing. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you do you got anyone else?
2: Yeah, uh, last but not least, I I like Jared Allen. Jared Allen has been on a roll. People. He's at 6,100 bucks. He's coming off a 47 point and a 60 point fantasy outing. Um, I just think I think he's finally around in form. Also, on the defensive side, he's blocked two or more shots in, or he's averaging about like two and a half blocks per game over the past 10, um, just slotting everything, um, starting to score more. That, that 20, 20 points and 24 rebounds in that 60 point outing. I, I feel like he's turned a corner. And that they're going to start giving him more run. We'll see. Um, there's been plenty of games where he only sees 20 to 25 minutes, but 33 and 43 the past two. Um, and given that they're they're two wins against quality opponents, Boston and the Rockets, um, and the fact that Allen's played so well, I think he's going to continue to see high level minutes.
3: Uh, I just want to bring up a pair of guys. Uh, Bam Adebayo uh, to me is always a GPP flyer. Even if Hassan Whiteside is healthy, I just I don't even I don't mind. He's 4,700. Um, he has 30 fantasy points um, in three of the past five games. Uh, and like I mentioned, that's with, you know, Whiteside's white side's been in there. One of those games, he only played 18 minutes and got 30 fantasy points. So you know he can do that. He's going up against Detroit. It worries me a little bit that maybe they'll play Whiteside more to match up against Drummond. Um, but at the same time, who I mean, who even knows what Eric Spolstra... You know, wants to do with Hassan Whiteside at this point. I trust Bam Adebayo in limited minutes is what I'm getting to, and I think he'll have low ownership. Uh, another guy on the uh, on the nets, uh, we mentioned Jared Allen. I want to bring up Damari Carroll, who after just like being a complete bum in the first part of the season, I think I dropped him off my 14- or 16-team league, um, which I am now regretting. Uh, over the past two games, uh, he's combined... For about sixty-six fantasy points, and uh, he had a small slump, but uh, he went for three straight thirty-point outings uh, from December twenty-eighth through January first, or January fourth, excuse me. So he's a guy who can get thirty-plus uh, DraftKings points very easily at fifty-one hundred, uh, and that's that's the kind of that's the kind of range you can fit in most lineup. Uh, you know, in most if you want to go stars and scrubs, you can probably get them in there. If you want to go balanced, you can get them in there. Cash GPP seems fine, and Orlando isn't good, so uh, that that's always great for the matchup. Um, Ken, you got one more guy that uh, you you want to let the people know about? The
1: Rooster. I'm mostly just trying to find who can I afford from this hmm. Warriors Clippers game where the over unders. Two forty-one and a half, and a half. And I could see Gallinari having to hoist a lot of threes. He and Tobias doing a lot of gunning here, just in a crazy up and down game as they're desperate to keep up with the Warriors. Now the flip side could be true. Well, they're also blown out in the first quarter, (laughs) but uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's It's at LA. So I like the chances of it not being blown out, being a little
3: better, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly a really good idea if an over/under seems like absurd to get, try to find some some sort of value in the game. And Gallinari, I mean, blowout potential is there, but the last time he saw fewer than thirty minutes was December 29th. He still saw twenty eight, um, and that was that was an eleven point loss uh, to San Antonio. Um, so I think we you can be pretty confident in Gallinari getting at least twenty eight minutes, even in uh, close to a blowout. Uh, and he's a guy who's who's averaging since since January. He's averaging 19 points, five rebounds, three and a half assists, uh, making 40 percent of his threes. Uh, we know the you get the the um, three point bonus on DraftKings, so that's always good.
2: So in that game, one of the interesting wrinkles is Demarcus, Cousin. yes. DeMarcus Cousins.
3: Yes, sure, we should we have to talk about that. Yeah, he is
2: at 5500 on DraftKings, and and I originally plugged him in my lineup. Um, now, the question to me is, at 5500 like how many minutes is this guy going to play? If he plays 18 to 20 minutes, I should think 5500 is a decent price. But I don't know that that's a given. I was doing some digging, trying, trying to figure out you know what, what level, what his curse said. Um, so a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, Cousins wanted to return. The minutes cap would have been at $10, 10 per game. And Cousins actually said, nah, I'm good. I'm going to continue to rehab so I can have a higher minutes limit when I do return. But even after that, the most recent report I saw was from uh, earlier this week, and it essentially said the Warriors hope to keep him between 12 and 16 minutes for at least the first couple games. So it's basically like playing in four-minute spurts um, for each of the four quarters. So if he's really only going to see 12 to 16 minutes, I probably wouldn't go with him at 5,500, um, but you know, if it comes out today and they say, hey, we're going to play in 20 minutes,
3: then yeah, I think he deserves consideration. Uh, here at Riddle Warrior, we have him right now projected for 15 minutes, which I think is completely fair in the range that you're talking about. It might even be in the high end of what you're talking about, and based on what we think he'll be as a player this year, we have him for 19 fantasy points. Uh, in this matchup and that considers that considers team total pace everything like that and that would get you barely like basically three and a half times value which isn't great in a tournament maybe but in a tournament you're looking for a guy to pretty much go over five times value and so you're kind of hoping for like 28 30 fantasy that's what
2: points. I need I need that 20 minutes like that's I need I need he's gonna play 18 to 20 minutes and then not only am i I need those minutes but then I'm baking on him being ridiculous and producing like two fancy points per minute with him. I don't think is, I don't think that is ridiculous,
3: but yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that he'll be shooting more threes this year. Won't be like driving as hard to the basket. So maybe if they have him spot up, shoot like five threes, if he hits four of them, I mean, you're in business and you can get some rebounds. We know he's a good passer. So it's interesting, but I do have to agree as much as I'd like to play him that I think I, I think I do have to stay away. Um, but that's enough DFS talk uh, because Ken, even though he's been, he's, been, he's been keeping it together, talking about Nikola Vucevic and Donovan Mitchell and Danilo Gallinari, but he just has something that that's, he, he just needs to get off his chest.
1: Ah, you know what really burns my britches? Slaps my donkey. Guards who can't hit free throws. Do you know that Lonzo Ball... Do you know what Lonzo Ball is shooting from the charity stripe? Do you? 46. 41%. 41%. He's supposed to be a point guard handling the ball. How about Austin no longer playing for Daddy Rivers? He's shooting 54% from the line. Hey, Austin, the whole I'm following sabermetrics is baloney if you can't shoot. How about Ben put me in the Hall of Fame now, Simmons? He's shooting fifty-seven percent. Playoffs are going to be Hacka Simmons, and the Sixers are going to fail. On the Celtics, who drives me nuts is Jalen Brown. He is the king of this. He'll drive hard to the hoop with this overly exaggerated cockback ball. Uh, you know, for some monster throwdown instead of just slamming home a solid two-handed jam. So he does this crazy exaggerated cockback ball move and he gets fouled, but then, of course, he doesn't finish because he's worried about showboating instead of scoring, then he always hits only one of two free throws. It drives me insane. This is Brown's third year, yet he's still yacking up 65% from the line from an alleged sh- uh, shooting guard. Gentlemen, if you can't hit your damn free throws, go granny style, damn it!
2: Ah. Let's I want to go on a quick related tangent here, okay. or ask you a question actually, Alex. Okay. Jalen Brown. All right. <clears throat> I get it. He's only twenty-two. He was a high draft pick. But he was he was a topic in one of our recent uh, roundtables. A lot of people thought he was a undervalued dynasty player.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't see it. Like what makes people think this guy is ever gonna have an opportunity to be like the top one of the top three players on a team? It's not gonna ever happen on this Celtics team. Is he ever going to be right. third in the pecking order behind guys like no. Kyrie and Tatum and, and, you know, Hayward, whoever else the Celtics bring in, because they're going to bring in another marquee free agent right. uh, via trade or, or someone via trade at some point. Like, this dude's never going to be a top three option on a team. So why do we expect him to develop into an all-star caliber player? My,
3: I, my thought is that he was a third pick overall, so that always carries weight. People... This this is this is the point that bothers me the most. People talk about Markel Fultz, like this former number one draft pick, but it doesn't matter anymore. It it doesn't matter where but, you were drafted.
2: But it, the thing is, you're some right. Calls. You're right. But at the same time, I mean, pedigree pedigree matters to some degree. But that's the thing. You've got guys like D'Angelo Russell, who like I feel like has gotten unwarranted hate. Um, Lonzo Ball. Um, these guys who everyone's like, no, I'm so down on that guy. Oh, what a dumb pick. He was picked top three and now he's garbage, even though he's still 22 or whatever. But then Jalen Brown, who has never done anything, people are still high <laughs> on. Why? Why, Ken, you're, you're a Celtics fan. Explain to me why people are still high on Jalen Brown.
1: There's a couple of reasons. He played actually really good defense his first two years. Um, mm-hmm. But while I'm down on him is – he doesn't have that dog in him anymore. He's the opposite Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart does these awesome things that don't necessarily show up in the box score, but get the whole home crowd going crazy because he always gets some incredible steal or charge call that winds up totally shifting the momentum. And Jalen Brown's just the opposite. He's that guy that looks so amazingly athletic, and he does. Um, And he is incredibly athletic. But... He doesn't scrap. He will not be the first guy down on the floor for a loose ball. He, it, I mean, you can see him mentally struggling at the free throw line. He is, he, he doesn't have a dog in him and that's what frustrates me. And, and then I, I think there's also just a certain lack of professionalism or maybe it's, you know, the problem overall with the Celtics. Just the expected to be awesomeness that they had this year, right, and he kind of embodies that that of course we're going to win we're going to you know, and he, if you want to like did he do all his work in the off season, he was a terrible free throw shooter of the first two seasons, and there's no improvement, and that's something you fix in the off season, and I just feel like there was huge upside there, and he's if anything regressing
3: right, and um I think. I think the main thing for me, putting aside where he was drafted, I think what is primarily driving the people to believe that he he could turn into a top-tier player is what he did in the playoffs last season. Because you look at his playoff numbers last year, and he averaged 18 points a game on 47% shooting, on 39% from three. He still only shot 64% from the line on three attempts a game. Um, five rebounds, but he also didn't get more than a block or a steal. And he, he's not a passer. So he's not really a primary ball handler either. And we know, yeah. we know. Uh, I think this is actually something James brought up on the last podcast. Generally, free throw shooting in college is the best indicator of someone's three-point shooting ability in the NBA, or it's a strong indicator. Brown shot 65% from the line in college. He hasn't shot he has better. One year. Yeah. He has one year. Yeah. And his best free throw shooting season was his rookie year, but he only took, I mean, he took, you know, he took basically 80, 90 attempts or whatever. Um, And I'm just worried. And I think we all, I mean, we have to worry that what happened with the Celtics last year for all of those role players was just super fluky. And I like, part of you wants to believe that's real and that Jalen Brown can be, you know, 18 points a game, basically who he was in the playoffs and i don't think that's completely out of the picture but i have to agree with you shannon like what's the you have to be worried about a player who does shoot 65% from the free throw line doesn't seem to be making any strides in that aspect of his game isn't a great ball handler yeah. so is he a spot up shooter is he even a slasher um yeah, is he I he's think not you, a great defender I, he's just kind of out there
1: i think you lump if you're the you're the celtics and uh, browns come on restricted free agency do you lump him in one of your picks, no. uh, you know, for the kind of one singular player you want? Because they don't need more picks. They got you know, they got I think it's four picks in the first round uh, this summer. So what do you what do you trade Brown for? Uh,
3: I don't know. I trust Danny though. I trust Danny. I'm not sure. I mean, I think. You know, in the summer, everyone's talking about the Celtics probably going to try to trade for AD, Anthony Davis in the summer. I don't know if it's like a, I don't know if you want to give up. I, I just, the thing is, I don't think that he's enough, maybe even with picks to get Anthony Davis. I think it's kind of Jason Tatum or Bust on that front. Yep. And it might be Tatum and picks uh, or a pick. And so you're probably, your best bet might be like a mid-tier like fringe all-star kind of older who's on a team that like doesn't really need him um i'm trying to i'm trying to think of guys off the top of my head i'm kind of kind of struggling but that kind of a player i think maybe is the is the guy but yeah they're in a weird spot right now the celtics are and maybe they'll wake it out i mean having his restricted free agent rights is extremely valuable uh and so but I yeah I have to agree I would not be surprised if they tried to float him and some picks out to a subpar team for an established player uh who can who can get things done on the wing uh and you know just because that's that's kind of what they need at this point
2: All right I appreciate you guys working through that with me and I apologize for bringing it up at the end of the show
3: No <laughs> It's fine
1: uh, well, yeah. Let's cut to let's cut to mispronounced names. Sure. I know I said Labassier, instead of
3: Labissier. Terrible! Uh, Terrible! It, it's it's that's a tough one. I, I don't I don't necessarily blame you for that. Um, <laughs> that anybody uh, else? Um, Any others? You got you got Ananobi. Uh, I, mean, I had some worries about that, but he's. I think we talked about him enough to where it's like he's like he's like yeah. in the NBA. Um, you know, kind of kind of sphere of um, people talk about him a lot. I think that does it um, kind of a weird, like Jalen Brown rant at the end of a podcast uh, <laughs> might not can be hear our, the listeners hitting stop yeah. <laughs> as we did that. Yeah. They've been hitting the 15 second fast forward button, uh, <laughs> but maybe, maybe it won't be our last. Um, so thank you everybody. If you're, if you're still here for joining us on the road to wire fantasy basketball podcast, this is presented by DraftKings. Kings uh, as always, make sure to get that, uh, that, you know, make that talent dollar deposit get the six-month membership to RotoWire. Uh, Ken, you want to take us out of here with a quote? Well,
1: uh, this gentleman's been extra feisty in the press lately, uh, both getting dogged on his free throw and three-point shooting. So let's go to OKC and remind everyone of a quote he made last year. Russell Westbrook, the triple-double machine point guard for the Thunder, last year said, quote, I don't give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins attention passengers this three car fantasy train wreck has hit the end of the line